What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of the In the Round podcast. It's your boy, Matt Burrill, hanging out in the luxurious DM Monday studios here in the heart of Music Row, Nashville, Tennessee. Shout out to TL and the boys. Make sure you guys check out that podcast. We have a blast on there. All kinds of shit gets said. It's awesome. Well, on today's episode, episode 92, we've got probably our youngest guest that we've ever had. Um, actually, I think SJ, when we had her on, was only like 18 or 19, but we have our boy Mason Horn. He's got a brand new record coming out called Plowboy Diaries. The kid's been doing a lot for a long time, and he hasn't even moved here yet, which is really, really cool. He's been out doing shows. He's been really doing the damn thing, and myself and Sweet Boy behind the camera, shout out Matt McElwain. Ladies, he is single. Um, Y'all be sure to check him out. We actually got to go over to the studio that he was recording at, uh, one of the tracks on there, Haymaker, that uh, he wrote and is cutting with Mr. Heath Sanders. We got to go and watch that process happen. It was really fucking cool. So shout out to Mason and his team for letting us do that. But this episode is wild. We say all kinds of stuff. We really find out what Mason Horn is all about, and uh, it's cool. Now into the sponsors, Whale Tail Media. Shout out Gracie Wales, that whole crew, BZ. They are great. They're busy, and uh, you, we want to keep them busy, you know? So check out our friends at Whale Tail Media. Content, content, content. Speaking of content, Mitch Wallace, the digital marketing agency. Need help with your TikTok, your Instagram. Go check out our boy Mitch. He'll take care of you. He takes care of us. He takes care of a lot of our friends. So go check him out. Speaking of friends, our friends at Saxman Studios, Grady and the boys, great product for a great price out there in Mount Juliet, Tennessee. Been a part of all kinds of hits and songs that you've heard of and been a huge factor in the scene of developing artists and developing talent here in Nashville. So if you're looking for a spot to record, go check them out. We're going to get into it now. Episode 92 with my boy Mason Horn. Be sure to check out his new record, Plowboy Diaries. This is the In The Round Podcast. So where, so where in South Carolina are you from? I am from Pageland, Jefferson area, which is a really like small map dot, but I was calling Columbia home for a while. Okay. And uh, so Columbia is kind of like where I'm at right now. Okay. Yeah. See, I, I like Columbia a lot. Like Columbia, I've had a few, few good times there being out on the road with, with, uh, with TL and the boys. And I know it's a, it's a spot. What's cool about growing up in South Carolina, music is a big thing out there. Oh, you guys yeah. have, have legends that have come out of there. People love the music scene. And it's not one of, I mean, you'll have your fair share of bars that are, um, that play like the club music and do all that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. But they really celebrate live music out there. Oh, a thousand percent. I mean, from, you know, you go to the beach and you've got the beach music scene. We, you got fucking Marshall Tucker, you know, Alabama made it big at the Bowery. Like it's a, it's a big music spot. I feel like it's just right there in the, in the world where so much music kind of collides. Yeah. It's a, and not just country music. There's people Rock that rock roll, out man. there. There's there's an urban music scene. There's rap. all kinds of stuff. Yeah, there's a lot of rappers. Yeah, dude. In South Carolina, a lot of that stuff. I, I, like I grew up with a bunch of a bunch of dudes that are so talented at rapping, man. And I'd love nothing more than to see them blow up and get big. But the rap scene is so competitive, bro. It's like so many people do it. Yeah, it's different than different than the country scene. And uh, for you, when when did you start doing music? Because you're how old now? You're what? Nineteen, twenty? You're twenty. Yep, I just Grow, growing up, man, because I think I first met you when you were like eighteen. You had just come. I was either seventeen or eighteen. Yeah, 
Because it was when I first started doing the rounds at Live Oak, I think was when. I think yeah. you and Trippy were, were in town. And you snuck me up there. We snuck you up there. <laughs> Trippy was like, let my man sing, let my boy sing a song. I thought he was your dad for a second. <laughs> I was like, man, who's this guy, Trippy from Carolina, bringing oh, his son God, around in a man. bar? And he got up there and sang. <laughs> and uh, and it's it's been cool to kind of watch you, you grow up. And you're not even here in town yet. So what's your journey kind of been like with getting started and doing this music thing god man so i mean i played guitar my whole life you know and i sang in church and stuff and you know i gotta be 14 and i was like man i'm gonna write this i'm gonna write a song about this girl and it worked dude i got the girl and i was like fuck it man this shit works so <laughs> i started writing songs for women man and then i started getting my heart broke by those women yep and i started writing sad songs about those women and, <laughs> i mean man it was and you know you write about life, bro. And but what you're saying, like you, I'm getting what you're asking me. Um, what really got me started was posting that stuff on Instagram, man. And I had several pretty big people following me. Uh, um, one really stands out, man. Thomas Rhett hit me up when I was like 16. He DM'd me on Instagram, and when he did that, that kind of like changed my like whole perception. I was like, man, like if this guy thinks what I'm putting out on a piece of paper is good. Like, and he's where, at where he's at. I need to take it serious because maybe I could be there one day, you know? Yeah. And uh, I just started writing every single day. Man, I know this is going to sound crazy, and I don't think I've really ever told – not a whole lot of people know this, you know? Is this, is this your first podcast, or have you done a couple before? I did one yesterday. That was my first Really? One. Which one? Uh, something from West Tennessee. It's okay. some kind of, like, a venue mud – Mud place. Oh, mud bogs. Yeah, hell dude. yeah, we love us a good mud bog. Oh, bro, I went to the Redneck <laughs> Rave last weekend, and it lives up to the lives up to the name, man. Like drunk, ten thousand drunk rednecks in the woods on heavy equipment. Yes, That's, we've seen lots. Of, we've I've seen lots <laughs> of those being out being out with Trey and being out with Muscadine. And oh, dude, I've seen all kinds of shit in the mud parks. I don't think I've been. I don't think we've been the one in South Carolina, have we, Matt? I think we've done a lot in Georgia, Mississippi. I'm sure they have them out there. We've got two that are great. Yeah, so what's the story? What's this exclusive info we okay. got? Um, dude, so when that happened, bro, like like I said, I don't really tell a whole lot of people this, but and I'm not condoning anybody to make the same decisions I made, but, dude, I hated school with a passion. I grew up on a farm, and I went to school, man, and I, I, like, I wouldn't go. Like, I, I started smoking weed, and I just wouldn't go to school. I just didn't care. I, I don't know if it's just, like, where I was at in life. I had a rough, like, rough childhood and shit yeah. but uh they made me go back like they damn took a warrant out on me for truancy and i was gonna fucking go to to kid jail and i was like oh man maybe i need to slow my roll so they told me if you don't go to school you're gonna go to jail so i told my mom i was like mama if you want me to stay here because i don't care if i go to jail i was like if you want me to be here go get me go get me another another decent guitar where i can really focus on writing my songs and from then on out, man, I went to school every single day, but I didn't write my name on a piece of paper. I didn't do nothing in school. I just wrote songs all day long, like a like a job. Like I'd I'd write. I wouldn't have a guitar or anything, man. But I'd have song ideas and I'd write lyrics all day. And I'd go home and I'd know what you know I had in my head to play. You know, I could hear the chord progression in my head, and I'd write like two songs a day and I'd post at least one to Instagram every day, and. That's what started it, man, was just dedication. Dedication. And you don't exactly have co-writers out there when you're that young doing that? Dude, I was writing by myself every day. 
I didn't have anybody to write with. I didn't even know like co-writing was a thing. Like, <laughs> I was like, I thought everybody on radio wrote that damn song, and like I was 14, 15 year old kid. Like I didn't know. Like were any of those early songs? Are those any that are out there now? Uh, several, man. Like Lonely Peace, I wrote when I was 16. Jaeger and Luck. I mean, Good and Goodbye, Ring in the Drawer. Like all those songs were written in a in a little outbuilding and the woods man like that's where I, my stepdad put me a little shack out in the woods to go be by myself and play my guitar in so I didn't aggravate my mama <laughs> and those that's where yeah. those songs came from man and it came from real life shit man it came from real life shit and yeah because that's what's interesting about you too man is that you are so young doing this thing and you've you've got songs that talk about older topics like you yeah you have a song that talks about having a wife like have you yeah. been married no, no. I mean, I was planning on being married. But um, see, what's crazy is I like to write. See, I'm not writing these songs 100%. You know, this is it's poetic freedom. Yeah. And I have, I've heard so many stories coming up of just tragedy, you know, in relationship, whether it be, you know, my mom and my biological father or, you know, my grandfather and his wife. You know, I've heard all these stories growing up. I'm like, I want to put into music what that emotion that my grandpa told me like what uh, what he felt like when he lost his wife like talking to me like I'm his best friend I want to write that song for him even though he doesn't know it's about him you know what I mean he's yeah. a preacher he probably won't ever hear it he's listened to a couple of them but uh I write songs about you know situations that might not be about me per se but I lived it you're, you know you're reporting I mean? on the world around you a thousand percent and I think that's what good songwriters do you know what I mean like in the, in the beginning, that's what I really loved was the songwriting. It wasn't even the artist thing. I didn't even know that was possible, you know? And, uh, you know, I was thinking, like, what if I wrote a song and, like, a big artist heard it and wanted to cut it? That's kind of where my head was as a kid. Like, this is where, like, this is what could help me get started Was maybe, would maybe be writing a song and somebody hearing it. And then that progressed into, you know, people telling me to record the songs and put them out because they like the way I sang them and shit. And that's kind of where I'm at. Now. <laughs> yeah. And you've had some, you have some songs that are, are outside cuts as well that you've put out, right. Mm -hmm. or, or songs where you've been in the room with some big yeah, writers. Yeah, yeah. Like what's it like being a kid and being in a room with fucking Randy Montana or being in a room with like big boys like that? Like how did that all kind of come to be? Because that, that's, that's not something to be taken lightly. Like, oh, like no. that's, that's, that's some, some heavy hitters in town taking a chance on you as an artist putting out a, like them, those calendars are busy. They oh, don't yeah. just write with, with anybody. Like how did that all come to happen? Well, man, so like I said, dude, songwriting was what initially I really, really loved. And, excuse me, so I studied who would write these songs. You know, I Googled the songs I'd hear on radio. And I'd be like, man, like these songs, like I love the lyrics. I love what was what was the Randy Montana song that you were like, I want to write with that guy? Um, It's the John Party, uh, I Can't Turn You Down, the I Can't Turn You Down. Yeah. I was like, God, like the way that song, like just... You pick, you can picture every line in that song. Yeah, I'm like, dude, that guy is amazing. Like, I want to write with him, and I knew that he was like a a person that I probably wouldn't get a write with. Yeah, and uh, he, you know, I got a really good team of people around me, and I think they sent some of my stuff over to him, and he was like, yeah, I want to write with him, 
And we wrote Cold in California yep. together, which is that, that whole my that whole project is um like um the only thing about this mm-hmm. town that changed like there's just songs that stick in stick in my damn head, you know? Yeah. Like not trying to sound like a damn fangirl here, but like your All shit right. your shit your shit slaps. Like it, it's Thank it's you, good and I'm excited to hear what's coming on this next project, which you're in the process of working on right now. Bro. That's why you're here in town, right? Yeah, man. It's uh it's gotten me emotional several times because, dude, like, this is called the Plowboy Diaries, which I know is probably like people are going to hear that and be like, it's kind of fucking girly. But I got the idea, dude. I worked, like I said, I worked on a farm my whole life. And what, I was, kind of, what were you guys farming? We're farming turkeys, like big turkey barns, and cows and hay. Okay, that is the same thing. You know, do you know uh, S.J. McDonald? I've heard the name. So she is a really good friend. She's like my little sister. She grew up in Virginia. Her family's been doing the same thing for the last hundred something years. Yeah. So that's cool. I've been by that farm and those turkey operations are no joke. You got a lot of birds to be doing that the right way. Yeah, man. And when they're full grown, they're upwards of 50 pounds. And you know, if the thing, the thing about it is, dude, they'll get sick. And like, I hate the way people make farmers out to be like, on the internet or you know just farmers on only this yeah. that like yeah. these dumbass some bitches like <laughs> hell we we might talk with a draw and stuff but we got to be a doctor like we don't get any days off and dude but that's where the idea came from was dude walking through them turkey barns and picking up them dead turkeys and working my ass off and i was like the plowboy diaries like I, everything i've written is just like a story like it's like a diary you know? yeah i was like i want it to i want i want my first album to be called that because this, that's I think that projects what I've done with my music perfect yeah and that's the the authenticity is such a big thing too I you know that's one of those things that I never had to think about being authentic I just I guess I grew up so far in the sticks that like when I came here it for the first time it's such a big culture shock that everybody was like he's the real deal like he's from he's from the sticks and I never really like thought about being anybody different because what I did was working. You know what I mean? Like people were really liking the songs that I was writing and stuff and that's what I that's what I've always wanted to do is just, you know, I want to write songs, man, that somebody can hear and it might not be the song that you just the first one you th- you throw on in the car with your buddies when you go to drink a beer. I want that song I want you to turn me on when you're going down a dirt road by yourself and you need that damn extra oomph to get through. You know what I mean? Like, that's the kind of music I want to make. Yeah. You that's I mean? that's important. That Those kind of songs are very important. And a lot of folks have, a lot of folks have been there. And even if it's not a dirt road, like driving driving back, like where I'm from in New York, there's plenty of times where I would throw on those those early Brantley Gilbert records. I would oh, throw God. on, like, um, and Mackle, Sweet Boy back there is a big big BG fan as well. Oh, and, Lord, uh, dude, huge, And all that. And it's, and it's like you listen to, like, the like modern-day Prodigal Son. And, like, I feel like he's talking about going to Milledgeville. I've been to Milledgeville. I've had interesting experiences in Milledgeville. <laughs> but, um, like, like, he paints the picture and puts you in his hometown God, puts you in that map dot just ju- just like what you're doing with your shit you know it puts people in that map dot that's not quite columbia you'll say it's columbia because people don't know well, where well, the that's fuck where you're I'm from at but- right now but i mean but dude where i'm from is like you, you it's just dude it's so small that we ain't got nothing to do but we have dirt roads bro and i know it, this all sounds so fucking cliche i know it does dude but we got dirt roads and they sell us beer underage. And I'm sorry yeah. if I get anybody in trouble for that. But, <laughs> you know, we, didn't, we don't got, you know, we don't got an amusement park. Or what's, what, what's like the big, what's the grocery store out there? We've got a food line. 
You got a food line. We got a food line, and we got an IGA on the other side of town. What the hell's an IGA? An IGA, I don't even think they're around anymore. I think it's like the last one on the face of the planet. But, like, it's a little... Imagine if Family Dollar was a grocery store. Oh, shit. You know what Family Dollar yes, is. Yes, yeah. <laughs> but imagine Family Dollar being from the 1980s. That's what IGA is like. How many kids, how many kids were in your high school? I think my gra- I have no idea, dude. I like I didn't I didn't graduate. I dropped out. I mean, but <laughs> um, probably like four hundred all together. Yeah. yeah, something like that. Four or five hundred, maybe. It's yeah. it's really small. Um, but we've got kids from two different towns going to or three different towns going to one school. So Mount Crog and Jefferson, Pageland. These Pageland's really the only true true like town out of all of them. Like Jefferson's really tiny, and Mount Croggan's kind of like a community. And I live in Angeles, which is another, it's like these little communities of people, and then they all send their kid to this one. And is that where your family was from for generations? Like, is mm-hmm. that one of those kind of things, born here, live so, here, die here? So, like, my stepdad, he's fourth or fifth generation farmer in the same same spot. And um, my mom, she's from Lancaster, which is like right down the road and my and my papa like the other side my biological side family is from uh north carolina but i don't really associate myself with them other than my papa yeah 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 so carolina born through and through oh you're packing that how do you how do you pack how do you pack a lip let's see let's see how does I got, how I does got the a, boy wonder pack a pack a hammer you know you got you got sometimes you, you hit it with the with the side it just depends on how you pick up your can but you know i always damn just a Little quick smack. The old See, I never, I never got it. I mean, these are pouches right here, but like, I was like, I do it like this, this dumb way. I still get. I mean, these are pouches, so it don't matter. But like, oh, you putting in a big boy? Let's see. That ain't too big, man. <laughs> Put a good dip in. There you go. I used to pack them. I used to pack them. What was what was the first? What was the first can of dip you ever bought, or you ever had somebody else buy bought, it for you? Uh, first can of dip I ever had. I actually remember. Um, seventh grade. Hold on, let me get near the microphone. <laughs> Seventh grade, shout out to Dalton, Dalton Hudson if you're watching this. Um, uh, my buddy Dalton Hudson, he had somebody that was older that could get it for him. And so I handed him like 40 bucks, bro. And he brought me back like a, just one roll of dip. But those like, I, don't, I forget how many cans was, were in the roll. It's usually five. Yeah, like five cans. And that those five cans lasted me like, seven months because like the first can that i went through took me like six months to get through because every time i put a dip in i'd end up on the floor like god i will never do it again just don't make me feel this way you know just just completely puking and my mom started catching dip cans and catching me with dip in my mouth and she, you, the worst is you leave the can in your back pocket and it goes in the washer and dryer well i was lucky so this is before she met my stepdad so I'm living on Highway 9, which is st- – we're still in the fucking sticks, but yeah. we're on highway. And my house is, like, 200 yards off the highway, and uh, people would throw fucking, you know, litter in the litter in our yard, and so I'd pick up the trash out the yard in the morning time before I'd go to school. And so 90, nine times out of ten, like, for the first year, she would catch dip. I'd be like, yeah, Mom, somebody threw it out the window, and, like, I found it, and I just thought the can looked cool. And she'd buy it. She probably didn't really buy it, but she, I kind of got away with it. And then, you know, I was like 
15, 16 working my own job, and she can't really, couldn't really tell me what to do. What was your job? I was a floor man at an auction barn. Floor man at an auction barn? Yeah, man. So I actually use that line all the time because people try to haggle with me at the merch table when, mm-hmm. I'm, when we're out on tour. And I say, hey, man, this ain't the co-op. This ain't the auction barn. I ain't moving cows and chickens. Because they're like, hey, man, can you do the shirt for 15 I'm like, no, I can't. I, it's a set but, price. But it's, yeah, but it's, but it's have, just funny because. We have because, margins we have to make. So what does the floor manager at an auction barn do? Are you just shoveling shit? Or like, no, what are you man, doing? So we weren't really selling. We're selling wholesale products. We weren't really selling like. Cows and chickens and shit, you know. Um, that that's that's a that was a different type of that's a different type of auction, but this one was more like commodities. Like people would bring in really nice guns and shit in there, and it was really interesting to watch, you know, the the business of it. And I got to be an apprentice apprentice under an auction auctioneer, so I can auctioneer. But um, you can auctioneer. You can talk fast. You can do the talk yeah. fast thing. What, what is what is auction? What is fast? This is gonna sound really country with a lip in. What, oh, is, what does an auctioneer sound like? You, if, uh, if I was going to start off like selling that little flag right there, yeah, I, yeah. I, you know, somebody would pick it up. The floor man would like pick it up and he'd show it to everybody. And the floor man's job is to call the bids. Like when somebody throws their hand up, they you yell so the auctioneer knows to raise the bid. So you start off like, we got that flag right there. What we gonna start them off like five to bid here, but to bid one five here, but to go five four, but to go three, but to go three, but to go two to bid to bid two here, but to give a dollar here, but to go one now two here, but to go three, but to go three, but to go four, and yeah, man. What was the wildest thing you saw go in there? Huh. Dude, all kinds. Because South Cack Lackey, you see a lot of shit. Like, we see well, we're shit. we're historical, bro. So, like, somebody's fucking great uncle is liable to have, like, a full-on, like, Confederate, like, artillery set in his backyard that he found in the creek. And, and it was just in the creek? Yeah. Like, for real, man. Like, so much cool historic stuff came through there, like. Bolts off of original buildings in Charleston where the uh, British blew cannonballs through them. Like, I had, like, the bolts where they would screw the building together. Like, all kinds of crazy shit. Um, hmm. The craziest thing. Like, where you were like, what the fuck is that doing in our shop? Oh, God. (laughs) There's there's a lot of boxes. Like, you say you... There's a lot of people that, you know, they'll go yard selling or something, and they're just trying to get rid of this shit. Like, they're, they're trying to make a quick flip. Yeah. Like, they'll go yard selling, and they're like, I'll take this to, to the auction and double my money. And so you get these boxes that are like, you don't know what's in them. You just kind of pour them out on the table. and <laughs> They don't even know what's in them. Countless vibrators. Countless vibrators, dude. Vibrators and dildos? For sure, bro. Like, rolling out <laughs> on the floor in front of kids. Like, <laughs> like yeah, man, like. I wish my original, like, auctioneer boss guy, he's, like, 70 years old, but he's so cool, bro. Um, he's a moonshiner, too. Ooh. Yeah, dude. I don't know if we should put that in, no, the, in we're, there. No, I mean, but we're cool talking. I don't give a fuck. We're good. I didn't say his name, so yeah. I didn't make a fuck, but he's is, just is, cool, bro. Is that shit still, like, a real thing? Because I know back in the day, during, like, Prohibition, that was a big oh, thing. Oh, dude, like, is his it still? biggest customer is, the like, one of the deputy sheriffs. Oh, shit. So it's like small town, county line. Yeah, like you shit. get caught in the wrong place. Like people, it's, it's one of those kind of towns where a lot of crazy stuff hap- happens, dude. Like, there's, there's your inspiration for writing some songs, though. Like you said, like. I'm blessed to make it out of that. Like, because it's not, it's not a good place entirely either, man. Like, there's a lot of. Like, I lost last year, like, I lost like three of my friends to getting killed, like, by a gun. Like, just, really? Yeah, just. They're they're in such a small environment where they don't know anything other than that, and it's like 
It's sad, bro, because they don't think, like, they've never been to Nashville, and they don't have, like, a, a dream like mine that's, like, they see it, like, what could happen. They don't have that, like, thing, and so they all they know is, like, violence and drugs. and Yeah, then that ain't a, that ain't a good way to live at mm-hmm. all. So how old were you when you first came out here to Music City? 17. 17, I think. 17. 17, and where was, like, some of the first places you, you went? I'm guessing Trippy was with you around then? Yeah, dude. Um... So I had met this guy on Instagram. He DM'd me, and uh, he was like, I want to, like, bring you out here. I think you're really good, like, shady, shady type thing. I'm not going to mention any names or nothing. But uh, I met Trippy around the same time, and Trippy was like, I didn't know Trippy, like, from Adam. But Trippy was like, yeah, I'm going to Nashville around the same time. And where we, like, ended up connecting was I didn't want to fly. Like, I've never flew in an airplane. You still haven't? Still haven't. Okay. That's funny because that's, again, something you have in common with. You and Sweet Boy, lots of similarities here. Sweet Boy flew on an airplane for the first time about a month, two months ago, and he's like, I can't wait to fly on an airplane again. He's so excited and so giddy about it. Dude, I'm the you don't? Is it that you don't want to? You've just never had the opportunity, or what is it? Well, I've had the opportunity once, and I didn't want to do it because – I'm not afraid of heights, okay? I'm afraid of things that I can't control. Okay. I'm not flying the fucking plane. I don't know this dude. Like, I'm not talking to him. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I'm entrusting this guy to bring me up 30,000 feet in the air and to get so me. you'd rather drive the, how long is the drive? I'm sure you have it mastered now. Oh, it's like, it's like eight hours altogether stopping and getting food and gas and everything. Yeah, so that's not bad at all. Like, mm-hmm. But that's where me and Trippy kind of met was... <clears throat> He was like, I'm going to Nashville around the same time. And I wanted to bring my girlfriend, too. And he was like, you can bring your girlfriend and just, like, stay with me. I'll come with you to meet the guy. Because I was kind of worried. I was I was suspicious about the dude. Yeah. And he was like, I'll come with you. So that it kind of looks like you have somebody with you that it doesn't, he, he's, he isn't just going to plain out shit me, like, to my face. Yeah. But I met with, uh, first of all, I went to, went to Broadway, you know, Watch the same Broadway. I was like, "Holy shit, this is incredible!" And then, so much music in one place, so much energy in one spot. Yeah, it's like you go from having one caution light to a whole like street of nothing but music. And I'm like, "Holy cow!" Like I want to live here. Like I don't, I don't want to leave. And uh, what was crazy was I didn't realize like how big like what I was doing at the time was like. I met with Sony, Big Loud, and like my first time ever coming to town. Yeah, and I didn't realize at that time what that was or what that meant. And I, I wish I kind of knew then, but now I kind of don't because I soaked all that shit in, and it was like, it, like it was like a drug. I was like hooked. I was like, I got to do this for the rest well, of my life. Well, it's kind of like being a kid in school and going on going on a field trip to whatever, like to go and see what you're interested in or this or that. Like you learned, you you got an education. You just mm-hmm. got it through music and through through farming and being in a small town. You know, mm-hmm. a thousand percent, man. And you know, I I did good in school until I didn't give a shit, which was like tenth grade. And I mean, I told my I had several teachers that hated my guts. Like they probably still to this day. Were you were you a little rambunctious shithead or no? No, I was. Or were you pretty quiet? Were you pretty quiet in that? I would get so I was the type of person where I'd match their energy. Like if they were a dick to me, I'm gonna be a dick to them. Like yeah, I'm gonna. I know the kids in the class. Like I'm. I'm. I was the kid that like everybody liked. 
Yeah. You know what I mean? And I would sit in the back and just write my songs and not bother nobody. And the teachers always would, always would get pissed off because I wouldn't do my work and send me out of class. And th- they get tired of sending me out. Like it was just one of those things. And a lot of a lot of the teachers actually got interested in, in like what I was doing. And I had like two teachers that really stand out. One of them, Miss Blackwell, she was she's an English teacher and she she writes books. And so me writing, I think. We had something in common, and she would grade me, which she doesn't teach at the school anymore, but she would grade me. So I had like a 99 average in her class. From She would grade me from the songs I would write. She was like, if you could write a song in my class and turn it in, I'll give you a, I'll give you 100. And, like, dude, she was awesome. And I had one teacher who was a straight asshole to me, acted like he didn't believe in anything that I was doing. And then he... he talked to my sister so my sister's a couple years younger than me he was like I want you to tell your brother he's the vice principal now he was a math teacher now he's vice principal but he was like I want you to tell your brother I listen to his music every day and he's like an inspiration to me and I was like holy shit like he was a douchebag to me for yeah. a reason like <laughs> yeah dude it all it all kind of comes comes that full circle what's it like coming in town trying to do the music thing and being under 21 Cause that's got to be a pain in the nuts. God, dude, I don't get half the respect I feel like I deserve. Like, and I don't say that to be like cocky. You know what I mean? I feel like I like there isn't many people my there, I don't know of many people my age that are, you know, people are like my numbers are pretty damn big. Yeah. And all I ever get is shit for like why are you writing about drinking? You don't know nothing about drinking. You can't even get in a bar. Like. Why not listen to the song and then judge it? Like, if I don't sound like I, uh, if I sound like I don't know what I'm talking about, explain that to me. You yeah. know what I mean? But don't, don't not listen to the shit and be like, you look like a kid. You're you're 20 years old. You don't know what don't, you're talking. Don't about. judge the book by its cover. It's Absolutely. the classic cliche. Don't don't judge the book by the cover. Open up and read the pages, and you'll you'll see what what I'm doing here. Absolutely, man. And I'm thankful that like I'm thankful for my fans in general because if they're a fan of mine, that means they tore that page open and they took the time to listen to something and have common sense like I love my fans because I feel like they they have an open mind you know I'd rather I'd rather not have a fan that's going to judge somebody for the way they look than you know tearing back a few pages like the people who you know love my shit do I mean I'm just thankful for who I got you know what yeah, I mean and got to talk about a, another young collaborator of yours um and probably the song it looks like that has been streaming really like extra well for you. All mm-hmm. of them are doing solid. Um, but how'd you get linked up with uh, the uh, the boy from uh, I guess Gallatin, uh, Mister Mister Chase? How did you and Chase get linked up? I met Chase at Bus Call in at Tin Roof, and I to be honest with you, like I, I told Chase this too, but I didn't I didn't know who Chase was at the time because I had like I got tunnel vision, man. I kind of just focus on my, my songwriting and stuff like I barely, you know, get on social media and stuff like that if, unless I'm watching Joe Rogan. Hell and yeah. uh, he walked up to me. He was like, man, I love Take Me Back and uh, this, that, and the other. And he looked kind of familiar, you know. And I was like, thank you, bro. I dapped him up. And then he jumped on stage. And I was like, let me check this dude out. And then he played County Line, and I'd heard that on TikTok. Did his thing, yeah. And I was like, holy shit, like, this dude's badass, bro. He's a performer, man. Chase, Chase, Chase Matthews, who we're talking about here, um, he, he is a damn performer. The he kid, has the... kid puts on a show. He has the thing. Like, when he is on stage, bro, you want to watch him. Like, he's very charismatic, and he's 
super intelligent. Guy is super smart and a hard worker. That's one thing that I like really noticed about Chase. Like when we went to go like rec- like when, whether it be from recording like vocals, us doing like the the acoustic video shoot or like the the music video. Like it was. He wanted it to be right. It was business. It was business, man, and I respect that because we're both young, you know what I mean, and we're both in the limelight kind of, you know what I mean, him a lot more than me, and to see somebody like him be so serious about what he's doing, it was inspiring. And you guys both grew up in around where there's there's shit going on in the small town, you know? Like, you guys have that kind of upbringing where what he's seeing – in in Cheatham or Rutherford or whatever mm-hmm. county county he's I know he's he's involved in both. He does such both. a great job of illustrating that dude. Not only with music, I mean with the words in his music. Like the words in his music are phenomenal, but the feeling that you get hearing him sing the songs and the melodies are just like this dude. Like he knows how these situations feel. Like he can make a party song and it feels like a party song, but when he talks about like like County Line comes on like. Should have known better. Like, yeah, this dude knows what he's talking about. Yeah, and it's something that so many folks, and that's that's I think a big reason that the small town folks are are doing so well right now when it comes in, and we see it we see it with with TL as well, and uh, with other people is right now it's like you think in those small you think about like something like TikTok or something throwback to Vine or YouTube and, and Instagram. All that stuff is free. You don't have to be watching the videos on CMT. You don't have to have this this paid thing. You have to have a phone, but almost everybody has a phone or a tablet or mm-hmm. something. And it's people in these small towns are are consuming the music and are are hearing about like they're related. The only thing that changed about this town is you. Like that's that's such a relatable song to folks from a small town. Guy or a girl gets their heart broken. Like this town's still the same. Everybody's still out there doing their thing, but you're not here with me anymore. And say it with County Line. Everybody's hungry for that, for that thing, man, that, that, that thing. Because I feel like sometimes, you know, music gets watered down because somebody does so well for so long that everybody wants to ride that coattail yeah. out until it goes. And I feel like people right now are hungry for that, uh, that next wave of people that are, you know, making great music and, um, Chase is perf- a perfect example of somebody that's killing yeah, it right so now. So how did Cheap Shots come to be? Like, So you guys dap up at Tin Roof, uh-huh. and then I'm guessing you guys exchange numbers, or you guys are chatting on IG or something. Mm-hmm. Well, he gave me his number, and he we, we got it talking, and he was like, I'd love to do a song with you. And I was like, hell yeah, like I'd love to do a song with you. And I wrote Cheap Shots like two years ago with a good buddy of mine. Shout out to Justin Anderson. Um Hey, I know, I know that name because yeah. I remember when he was was outshine. Oh yeah, bro, he's killer. So quick little sidebar. So I when I used to do my work up in New York and New Jersey doing radio, outshine used to come through quite a bit and play at a bar in Hoboken, New Jersey, right mm-hmm. across. So it's like Hoboken, New York City's right there. You can see the fucking Empire State Building from the little tiny bar, and outshine came through, and that was when I first met. Justin and and what those guys were doing at the time again Carolina can like the the yeah. Carolina boys doing things so that that's badass that you and him are connected too oh, oh dude he's from the town over from mine so we're from that same neck of the woods man and uh you know he found me on social media you know we're from the same area and he's the one who really got me like playing shows so dude if it wasn't for Justin Justin Anderson man huge shout out to him I would not be nowhere where I'm at right now, man. He threw me in front of everybody that he knew 
and he was successful, dude. Like his his voice is in in in. Yeah, you know you know when Justin's singing, like you can hear his hear his voice, and uh-huh. you're like, that's Justin. Uh-huh. Immediately, so so you and Justin write write cheap shots. Now, what's where does that song come from? So he had the idea, and he brought it up to me like a couple times before, and I like I don't know if I didn't like it at first, and then we were sitting in person, and he said it to me, and I kind of heard him say it in person, and it kind of clicked in my head. But he wanted to go more of a, like, like I'm, you know, 30-year-old guy. I've been through some shit. Like, I know how it feels to have some cheap shots on my heart. So I'm going to go to the bar and take some cheap shots. And I was like, there's an extra layer, layer to this song somewhere. Like, with the word cheap shots, like, there's so many, you know. And uh, I was like, dude, I want to write it about, you get your heart broke, you go to the bar, take some cheap shots, you see her and her new boyfriend walk in and you beat his ass. <laughs> and then yeah. you go to jail, you get out of jail with your side chick and take some cheap shots with her. And like I wanted it to be like the most ultimate fuck you story. Like, yeah. like the kind of shit that like you you only dream about, you know? And uh he's like, Yeah, that's cool, but how are we gonna write that? Like, that's a lot. And I sat over there in the corner for like 15 minutes and I kind of had like a rough draft of it and we went through and it was cheap shots. And I didn't ever think I was going to record it or put it out because it was like edgy. Like I was like, there's no way I can pull this off. I'm saying bitch. They're going to be like this kid saying bitch like he's disrespectful. And Chase said he wanted to do a song with me and I was like, Chase just did County Line. He's He's whooping a new boyfriend's ass. Like this is perfect. Like... This is the song. This is meant to be, and uh, we sent it over to him and his team, and they loved it. And we went in and got the job done. Man. Where'd you guys shoot the video? Was that back home in Carolina, or was that out here? That was at Lex's office on Denumbrium, uh, the uh, social club, the little red building on the left, right there. Yeah, right there, dude. Yep, that place is epic on the inside man like it looks insane yeah you wouldn't expect that i don't even think i've been in there i've shot like three music videos in there really mm-hmm. no shit and fun fact too take me back the music video for that is where Ernest and was it morgan Wallen wrote uh flower shops oh really yeah no shit that that uh like prison cell looking thing yeah. yeah that's right there where ben burgess lives lex owns that and uh he let them go in there and write, and they wrote Flower Shops, and that's where we recorded the uh, the Take Me Back. No shit. Yeah. That's cool. So some good juju going on mm-hmm. in that room. Take Me Back's another one where people are like, what's this kid talking about? Like, what, like being so young and talking about tougher subjects. Where did that one come from? Man, I damn. Because the, the opening line, the, hey, mama, like, I'm, I'm locked up, like, that, that opening line draws you in. Like, oh, shit, there's a story here. So I hate to give away my, like, secrets and, like, be like, I'm just bullshitting and all my music because that's totally not what it is. Yeah. It's poetic freedom. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I didn't really go to jail. But I was going through a breakup. I was, like, 18 years old. And I got really, really drunk one night and did some shit. And I got beat up by this really big dude. Like, when I say big, I'm not talking about, like, big, like... He's like six foot eight, three hundred pounds, and not fat, like muscle. Paul Bunyan looking motherfucker. He hit me once and knocked me out for like fifteen minutes. Jeez. Mm. Well, I wake up disoriented because I'm drunk, like blackout drunk, and then I got knocked out, and then I wake up and I'm like out of it. <clears throat> well, I walk all the way from 
my cousin's house. So it would be like a seven, probably a seven-mile walk in the cold to a gas station. And uh, didn't have my phone, didn't have anything. And I asked the lady in there, I was like, can I use your phone? I need to call my mom at 4 o'clock in the morning. And they're dead asleep. Like, they don't, they don't drink and stuff like that. And I was like, I hate to make this phone call. Like, this feels like that jail call. And I called my mom, and I was like, hey, mama, like, I need you to come get me from the marathon. Like, I don't know what else to say. Like, it, like I, this, is, this is that one time that I need you. And I remember how terrible that felt because the next day I had to be in Nashville to, like, do a whole bunch of recording and stuff. I was about to put out my first EP. Yeah. And so I think it kind of went to my head. And uh, I remember how shitty I felt for, like, the next two weeks. And then I went to go see that girl that I had broke up with, and she, like, basically told me to kick rocks. Like, she didn't want anything to do with me anymore. And I remember going home. It was, like, an hour-and-a-half drive from Charlotte back to Columbia and just breaking down. And I just started saying all these words, dude, into my uh, voice memo. Voice memo, and I wrote that whole song in, like, 15 minutes going down the road in my car. And I went home, and I played it for my buddy, it was my roommate at the time, and he cried. And I kind of knew that song was special because of that. Like, he cried about it, and I was like, he doesn't even like country music. So the fact that he cried listening to that song was special. And then I was like, maybe it's just the first time I've played a song for him. Like, I just wrote, he felt special. Then I played it for Lex, and Lex was like, I love it. And then everybody who heard it loved it. But I didn't want to put it out on that next EP. It would have been the Cold in California only thing. That EP... Like, I didn't want to put it out. Like, the I didn't want to put Take Me Back out. Like, I thought it was too emotional and this, that, and the other. But we ended up putting it on there, and then it blew the fuck up. And I was like, this song is, like, special, bro. And now it's my favorite one I've ever yeah. I've ever written. Yeah, dude. As I've, as I've always wondered what the story is behind that one, because it's, it, that's, that's some deep shit. I didn't realize what I was writing. Like, it took... The, the 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 reason why it's my favorite now is because, like, two months ago, man, was the first time I ever really, like, listened to it. Like, I was down in the dumps, man. It was, like, Thanksgiving, yep. So it would have been about two months ago. And I was down in the dumps. I was away from home. And it was, like, the first year without my family around me. And I was like, man, this this hurts. Why, why weren't you around the family? I don't really want to get okay, into Okay, I got you. It's some personal stuff okay. that kind of happened, man. And, uh. I that song just came on like randomly on my Spotify. Like I wasn't even like it wasn't play on my playlist or anything and it just came on. And I just remember breaking down and I like listened to every word that I wrote that I never paid attention to. And I just broke down, man. I was like, dude, this is really like my life. Like this is what I feel right now and my music's helping me. So I I get so caught up in trying to write songs to help other people that I kind of don't listen to them to help myself. You know yeah. what I mean? No, I got you. Absolutely. So, so this new project, Plowboy Diaries, mm-hmm. what, have, what have we got to look forward to on there? Like, it's, it's coming. Oh, dude. Too much to talk about, bro. Like, I feel like... How many, how many songs? Twelve. Oh, shit. Full, full length. Mm-hmm. Man, and these songs are all like... And this is being put out as an independent? Mm-hmm. From what I know right now, yeah. I can't really talk about all that yeah, stuff. Yeah, but yeah, oh yeah. From what I know right now, yeah, um, we got a lot of people that are talking and yeah, it's Nashville. But 
it's independent for right now, man. And this team, man, Lex, Carrie, Randy, Alexa, Trippy, man, they we all put everything into it. And not saying we haven't with every other project, but this one was like we had twelve. We've worked our ass off to have all these singles. Like we just wanted to have music just to be able to throw out. And when labels talk to us, we'd be like, "Yeah, we've got this many singles. We're we're ready to go." Yeah, it's like having a resume. Mm-hmm. And I looked at Lex, and we kind of were at like I was at a point where, like my numbers, you know, I've got a lot of people listening to my stuff, but it kind of you get a you get in a rut in South Carolina where like you're playing these same spots, and people kind of know they can listen to you every Friday or Saturday, and I was kind of, like, at a point where I was frustrated, and that's when I talked to you last time. I think I had mentioned that. I was like, man, it's just, like, it's a grind. And um, I forgot what I, was, what I was getting at with that. But, um, oh, yeah, I was telling Lex, I was like, man, like, I want to move to town. Like, I'm trying to get to town. And he was like, okay, well, we need to come up with a plan. And I was like, I want to drop an album. And he was like, Let's fucking do it, dude. Let's take all these singles and let's just make an album. And uh, we did it, dude. We took all the songs that we were planning on putting out as like singles or EP. And is there a single one that you're most excited about? Where you're like, this one, this one could be a game changer. God. Like, no, uh, well, is there, is there one on there though? Like, where that really, really sticks out. I love how cowboys say goodbye. Like I feel like that song's, it's 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 a, it's like a one of those timeless time type things. I love. Who'd, you, who'd you write that one with? Matt Roy. Oh, sick. Yeah, man. And uh, he wrote "Done" with Chris Jansen. Yeah, so Matt he's Ro- got that cowboy yeah. type. So funny thing about Matt Roy. So where Matt Roy grew up and where I grew up was about thirty minutes maybe apart from each other. And I didn't know him. I first That's met crazy. him. I first came to town, um, and I met him through another Carolina guy, uh, Taylor Phillips. Oh yeah, uh, who's back in North Carolina now, lived here in town for a bunch, and has all kinds of all kinds of hits out there. Mm-hmm. But at the time, Matt Roy was like the the young kid living in town, and oh, cool. I believe I believe he went to Belmont, so he moved here young too. So that's cool to hear that you're writing with him because what you're going through right now, mm-hmm. and being being the younger guy that can't get into all the bars and doing this at such a young age, I think he was doing that exact same thing, rewind rewind like five, six, yeah, seven was, years ago. Me and him were talking about that, man. It was crazy, like what we had in common being from two different, totally being parts. Being from completely north, northern New Jersey and small town South Carolina could not be more different. Mm-hmm. And have so much in common. Like, that was crazy. And so we immediately clicked, and that song was just... Yeah. Then you got one coming with... Um, We'll talk about uh, one of my favorite girls in town, Miss Taylor Austin Die. Oh Lord, that talk one, about Taylor because she she is the shit. I love me some Taylor Austin Die. That girl right there, man. If any of y'all are watching and you don't know who Taylor Austin Die is, you better look her up right now and follow her while you can because she is hell on wheels. And uh, I ain't got nothing but good things to say about her. How'd you how'd you and her get linked up? So I was following her on TikTok, man. I heard her. Uh, Water Me Down song. Yep. And I was like, dude, she's badass. And so I had this duet I had written with Lex's wife, the the, the song that I don't know if you've you've heard it yet or not, but um we we wrote a song called uh Tonight I Need You or I Need You, I'm not sure what we're going to end up calling it, but um we were looking for a female to do a duet with and she was the first person to come to mind, like right off the bat. And we sent the song over to her. And she loved it, and she came in, dude, and 
Lex is not the type of person to like call you and be like somebody did something great, and he called me while I'm going down the road on the way to my girlfriend's house, and uh, he was like, "Dude, sh- this girl can sing. Like, yeah. she killed these fucking vocals." I was like, "I want to hear them," and uh, she's she's just awesome, man. She's she's awesome, bro. Like. You can you can drink with her and she jokes around. We I played a show with her in Blythewood, man. She's top tier. Yeah, she's she's one of one of my one of my favorites. And make sure you guys check out Taylor Austin Die. Shout out, we love you, Taylor. Mm-hmm. She's a she's a bad bitch. She's a lot of fun, and she'll she'll she, if you if you you're ever at Red Door here in Nashville and you have a chance to hang out and and take a drink with Taylor Austin Die or just do chill it. with her, do it. Take take advantage of of that opportunity and and enjoy you some Taylor Austin Die. She'll make you laugh your ass off too. She's funny. It's fucking fuck. hilarious, dude. Imagine <laughs> playing a show with her and see we both got. Fucked up, like so. Imagine that, like yeah. we're playing a show together, sitting like here to the other side of that couch and drinking a lot of liquor. Well, she's from Kentucky. She can, she can, she can hand, she can hold her own. Mm-hmm. Well, she can, she can hold her own, dude, and she knows how to drink too, and she'll get you drunk. That's the thing. She'll be like, I'm not 21, you know what I mean? So I'm not supposed to be drinking in the first place. But they'll, you know, bring her liquor up there, and she's just. <laughs> so I'm on the same level as her and dude by the end of the night I don't even think we knew what we were singing like it, yeah. it's like one o'clock in the morning everybody's gone we're singing to like three people and they had to basically pull us off stage to be like hey y'all are done y'all are drunk you, you're missing like half the words like <laughs> gets to that point in those, we, we were repeating the same songs like four times in a row yeah. like we were, we were we had a great time and yeah. It, yeah once again y'all get a chance look her up dude we got a song coming out and it's gonna be yeah, and then another collaborator on the album, um, Mr. Heath Sanders. Goodness gracious! Talk man. about talk about talk about that old boy for a second. Cause I, I love me some Heath Sanders, and he's actually a part of a song that um, he wrote with our buddy Dawson Edwards. Mm-hmm. That I believe um, Justin Moore is going to be putting out called "Raised on Red." Raised on Red. That's brother. that's the one that's been in our friend group for a very long time. Red. That's, Yes, and I've I've seen I've seen Dawson Edwards sing that song for since I met him about two two and a half years ago, and now to see it see that come. But Heath, I've only met him once. Seemed like a really good dude, but you obviously know him a little bit better than I do. So I've been knowing Heath for like two or three years, and um, <clears throat> so Trippy owns a he used to own a uh, bar, and so that's where I met Heath. Was Trippy had Heath come out and play his bar? Well. Heath grew up Pentecostal, so we immediately, like, you know, the same thing with him. Like, we've automatically got a, a bunch in common, you know. And then he's Heath, dude. You hear him sing, and you're like, like, that's that's coming out of, like, that that that's coming out of that's, that redneck man that's, right there. That's, like, that's country music right there. Oh, To it, a T. Yeah, bro. And then his songwriting is so real. So I immediately, bro, and I knew Heath, like, his music before I met him, and Meeting him made him become immediately, like, I don't have heroes, but he's one of my heroes, man. Like, I look up to him in so many ways. Like, he came out to a show I had in Alabama, man. It was a shit show. Sound guy. Where was where in Alabama was it? I'm not going to say where at. Well, we could say what city, what town. I honestly don't know. I don't know. I don't know what city it was in, but it was. Was it even a city? Or I was, was playing it with Cameron Marlowe. I was playing a show with okay. Cameron Marlowe. yeah. And, um. The sound guy they had for us, so Cameron Marlowe had his own sound guy, yeah. obviously, and then they had a sound guy for like the opening acts, and he like he had us set in good when we were sound checking, and then when we got on stage, it was like fucked. Yeah. 
And so I was really upset because there was a lot of people out there. And, like, I was trying to explain to them, y'all, I'm sorry, like, we're having sound issue. And I got emotional because I had found out some bad news at the time. And he was at that show. He went out of his way to come watch me. And uh, he was talking to me. He was like, hey, man, like, you're writing some songs that, like, I've never heard somebody your age, you know, writing like you. And the if if you're sitting here worried about the damn sound at some show in Alabama, like you're crazy. Like you got a lot bigger things to be sitting here emotional about. And he's just one of those guys that like anytime I know I I need to talk about something serious, he's got my back, man. And with him jumping on this song, we wrote the song together, you know. And what's uh, it called again? Haymaker. Haymaker. I can guess off prior um, knowing Heath and knowing you that Haymakers, it can go a few different ways with a title like that. So it started off, him and Casey had the idea of Haymakers. Casey. Paraday, his guitarist. Okay, yeah. And um, they wanted to write a song called Haymakers, and it'd be about Makers Mark and like talking to whiskey. And that's genius too, you know. We got to writing into that, and I started reading the lyrics, and I was drinking some beer, and I had to take a piss. And I started reading through them lyrics because we were stuck on a line. And I was reading through them, and I was like, man, it really kind of like sounds like you're talking to God. And I was like, hey, Maker, I could use a little help, you know me, better than I do myself. Like That was the original line for the Maker's Mark version. And I was like, dude, what if we write this song like you're talking to God, like he's your friend? And me and him both grew up Pentecostal, and we're, we're rebellious in their eyes because we're country singers. So it's yeah. one of those subjects where, like, we can really relate to that that aspect of talking to God. And I was scared to go in there and say I had that idea to do the song because we were already halfway through with it. And I walk in there, and something told me, man, it was like I was like, dude, I know it's gonna sound crazy, but I want to restart writing a song and call it Haymaker and make it about talking to God. And him and Casey and Heath looked at each other and they were like, yeah, bro, that's that's way more, like, powerful. Yeah. And, dude, we started writing that song and it just started thundering and lightning out of nowhere, bro. And it was like, we started getting goosebumps, man. And we got through with that song. It was late at night. And we knew we had something special with that one. I didn't know that, you know, Heath would ever come and cut it or him cut it or I cut it or anything like that or him even sing on it or anything and we wanted to put it on this album because we we love it and we sent it over to Heath and Heath was like hell yeah I'll do it but you know he signed uh, Big Machine and Scott Borchetta's gotta like look at it and listen to it and so for like a week I was like he's gonna shoot me the fuck down like Scott Borchetta's gonna Say kiss my ass, <laughs> and then they were like, "Yes, Scott Borchetta said he loves it." So I was like, "Let's fucking go, baby!" There we go. You got the you got the green light. That's awesome, man. So about Heath being a hero, who are some other some other kind of heroes of yours? Who are some people you haven't had a chance to meet yet that you're like, I really appreciate respect Dude, what that guy does. I wanted to be Jason Aldean for like ever. I wanted to be Jason Aldean. <laughs> um, love Jason Aldean, um, but like Eric Church, man, like. Me being a, a songwriter and like, he's a Carolina boy. Like he's, he's, he's a hero for sure. And Keith Whitley, um, another huge one. 
there's too many to really list. Like Bob yeah. Seger's another one. Like if you listen to my songs, I try to write like multiple stories into one big story. And like Bob Seger's where I got that from, yeah. man. But there's too many to list, but those are like four really big ones. Tom Petty too, but those five are Hell yeah. That's awesome. Um what's a goal that you have for this year? Because you put out a shit ton of music in twenty twenty one. We know we got this album coming. What what's what's kind of your your goal? What's something that Mason Horn hasn't done yet that, that he wants to do this year? I want to sell shit out. Like, <laughs> that, that, that's the main thing. Like, because, like, I love writing songs. I don't really focus too much on the social media thing. Like, I, it's good, and, like, I respect the hell out of everybody who does it. But, like, I try to write songs and focus on what I'm good at because I'm not good at, like, making captions and taking pictures. I suck at that. So I leave that up to the people who are good at that. And... I love playing live, man. Like, so when I get out there, a goal of mine is to, when I play a show, man, I know I'm going to have that place packed and they're going to, like, scream those words back. What are some of your favorite places you've played at so far? Blind Horse in Greenville. Yep. By far is my favorite spot, dude. Love me some Blind Horse. I've, I've got quite a few stories there we can talk about off the microphone. Oh, dude, yeah, bro. <laughs> like, we, I opened up for Tracy Lawrence, and my first time ever playing Blind Horse sold out. Like, I'm standing, and it's like a mosh pit in front of me, and, they're screaming. I get off stage. We leave because I had to be in Nashville. Like, we left for Nashville that night. We leave, bro. It's all over the news that uh, Blind Horse Saloon, there was a huge bar fight. Like, yeah. I was like, holy shit. Yeah, there was, there was one night. I love the crew at Blind Horse, and it's the same crew that's so great. Same crew that does uh, Coyote Joe's out in Charlotte, North Carolina. Uh, they, they do a great job. Hospitality, top notch. They're looking for a great place to play. We Take love. Take care of you with food. Yeah, every, everything, the whole nine yards. But similar kind of experience. My first time there when I was with, um, I was with Muscadine. Uh-huh. Um, so this is December of 2019. Um, I'm doing my merchandise settlements, like all that stuff, in the back office, pistol on the table and all, the Carolina settlement. Yeah. You know, that's what I just call it. Carry all don't fuck around out there. I love, yeah, like love South Carolina for carry. that. Yeah, I love South Carolina for that. But I remember hearing, um, I remember my our tour manager, Lee, came up to me and was like, yo, we got to go. And I'm like, what do you mean? Like, we got to, he's like, yeah, some, there was just shots outside. Like, we're, <laughs> Like, like two of our guys are hiding in the trailer right now, and I'm like, what the fuck? Like, so blind. And then last time we were out there with Trey, we had a really, we had a really good time out there. Oh, dude, they're they're top notch. Like, they take care of you when you when you go in there. They're they're and then there's some, you know, there's a lot of places that treat you like shit. So yeah. when you play in some place like that, I feel like that's one of the main reasons why I love that place. Favorite so much. favorite place outside of the Carolinas, because I know you've, I'm sure you've been in Charlotte, you've been in Raleigh, you've been yeah, been been to the shore, been um, all that. Favorite place you've been outside, or have you not really been outside too uh, much? My favorite place I've played outside is probably Mountain Home, Arkansas. Really? That, we're actually going to be going there uh, not too long from now. That place is great. What man. was the What was the club? Was um, it? it was it was actually like a little amphitheater type stage thing. I was opening for Larry Fleet and um, damn LV Shane. I don't know why I couldn't think of his name. That's my Hell boy. Yeah. But uh, I was opening for LV and Larry and uh, that. That was that was an amazing place, but we did like we went through so many damn states that that trip. But uh, that place, Mountain Home, Arkansas, was is badass. Yeah, we're we're I think going to the going to Oasis. I think is the name of the club out there that we're doing. It's a newer place, but mm-hmm. we've never been to Mountain Home. We've had good times in Arkansas, so we love Arkansas. But um, sure. but yeah, that's cool to hear Mountain Home. Um, where's a place you haven't gotten to play yet that you think you can do this year? 
I know with the opening slot thing, you kind of just take them as they come, and you don't yeah. really know. Yeah, I mean, so you kind of, like, get lost in – because, like, now from opening, like, opening – so a lot of a lot of y'all, if you don't know, like – well, I'm sure people do know. If you yeah. go out to a show, you got your opener, and then you have your main act. And opening's a big deal. Like, like I think people take a lot away from people who are openers. Like, that's still a, a big thing. Yeah, especially when, you get, when you're really getting started as mm -hmm. far as spreading outside the Carolinas right now. So I wanted to play Blind Horse really bad, and I wanted to play uh, Coyote Joe's. Like, those were two – like, because they're both the two biggest things in the Carolinas that, like, I, somebody like me could play. Yeah. You know what I mean? And uh, so I got to play both of those things packed out when I'm opening. And now, you know, in May, I've got – two headlining shows there so it's, really let's yeah. go that's a big deal dude yeah I, i'm not sure about coyote joe's but i know blind horse for sure but i'm pretty sure coyote joe's too yeah i'm 100 sure i'm playing I'm, that's a that's a big deal man yeah dude like that that to me was like a big goal and so i don't really know now like where i can play that's not that you know you know yeah what I mean? yeah well you'll you'll see as you get out there the world's uh the world especially with country music there's oh yeah there's venues a lot. all over the country all over the world honestly i want to play hard i mean uh what, what's it called the uh, red rocks like i'd love to play there like yeah. honestly but one that's, day yeah that's like down the way down the road yeah. <laughs> yeah. um i'm gonna ask you some south carolina questions um you a gamecocks guy or clemson guy oh fuck the gamecocks man tigers all the way i've been a tiger since i was born like Clemson Tigers, man. If you're a Gamecock fan, sorry. <laughs> Hell yeah. All right, cool. And that says a lot. I got love for Columbia club. now. I got love for Columbia. They love me in Columbia, but fuck the Gamecocks, man. <laughs> <laughs> I love, like, when you pull into a random gas station and bumfuck South Carolina, and there's just a hat that just says Cox across it. And I was a little kid. I didn't know what that meant. I was like, what do you mean Cox? And now I'm like, oh, it's the mascot. Wait till you hear two grown-ass men, like, completely just argue with each other and make no literal sense like sound like two children over like that's how it is every bar you walk into that's how big that rivalry is yeah they hate each other like you go if it's a if it's it's a little bit better like clemson fans are a little bit nicer to the carolina fans because we've had like national championships yeah and shit. success like we're not like we're playing carolina like it's a we're playing high school team type <laughs> thing but when you go and we play at williams bryce they're like nasty they're very, very mean. If you're wearing orange, they're going to whoop your ass. Like, yeah. They're crazy about that shit. There, yeah. Um, how do you like your uh, your boiled peanuts? I know boiled peanuts are a big thing in South Carolina. Are you not a big boiled peanuts guy? I like mine the right way. Like, I want mine to be cooked. So you have, like, full-on, like, furnaces. Like, they do they do the shit in. And they cook them to where they, like, you, like, pinch them and peanut falls out. But you got all kinds of flavors, man. I'm more of a basic, like, just salted, like. Early morning, it's cold. You got you some coffee, and I grew up around flea markets. Like that's a southern thing. Like people go to the flea market early in the morning. It's cold, so you get you some peanuts and some hot cocoa or coffee or whatever they got, and chow down on that. Damn Cajun ones give me heartburn. So see, I I still fuck with the Cajun ones. I do too. If I'm in the mood to feel like shit, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I'm like, it's um, worth it. I don't have anything to do. What's I'll the countryest thing you've ever eaten, as far as like an animal? Everybody's ate frog legs. I mean, not everybody. Um, you ever eaten a squirrel? Yeah, I've ate squirrel. Possum? Not possum. I ate raccoon one time and didn't know that I was being fed raccoon. How did it come out? Was it like fried or was it in like a stew or like what? So barbecue is a big thing. Oh, yeah. Barbecue is a huge thing. And there's this guy, man. He can cook 
the best barbecue you've ever put in your mouth. His name's Brother Sweet. He's a big old preacher man, about 300 pounds, and he cooks the best damn barbecue you ever put in your so mouth. So he barbecued a raccoon? Well, we get over there, man, and he don't say nothing. He's just got plates, and everybody loves his food. You know what I mean? Like, so nobody asks no damn questions. You know what I mean? Like, they're just like, Brother Sweet Cook, we're going to get us some damn barbecue. Uh huh. got to eating it, and it was good, dude. It tasted great. Like, the way he had it prepared, he's a good cook. Was like, it pulled like pork or like what? what, it fell what? Off. I mean, yeah, it was like it, it was a, a sandwich, a barbecue sandwich, dude. And he, I'm eating it, got halfway through it, and he looks, and he's like, it's good, ain't it? I'm like, yeah. He's like, would, he's like, you wouldn't believe me if I told you that was a raccoon, would you? <laughs> and he wasn't looking at me like he was joking. Like, yeah. He was looking at me like he was being dead fucking serious. And my stomach immediately just flipped, bro. And I just ran outside and just hurled, bro. It was, that was one of them damn, that's too redneck. If you're that redneck... You you redneck, man. I ain't that redneck. I'm country as hell, but I ain't eating no raccoon. What's the most redneck shit you've seen besides being unknowingly fed a raccoon by? Some things I'll have to say off camera, but like... Uh, What's one you can say? Yeah. Like just redneck something you've seen. Because South Carolina, to me, is is up there as far as the redneck scale of places I've been. God, man. Um... That's hard to say because, I mean, it's fucking red. I mean, we, we live that way. So, I mean, I mean, countless amount of people just, like, I knew an old man who was, like, 100 years old. This, I mean, this ain't the most redneck thing I've ever seen, but this is one that really stands out. Like, we had a guy that, like, literally just drove around on a tractor. Like, he didn't, he didn't, damn, have a car. He didn't have a truck. He was so old that, like, he never drove a car or truck. He literally would drive to town five miles on a tractor, go get milk and bread, and go back home. Mr. Crawford, I'll never forget him. He could predict the weather. Like, he's an old farmer, so like he was the farmer's almanac. Yeah, man. Like this motherfucker could like tell you how if the summer was bad, this is how bad the winter's gonna be. Or like, if springs like this, this is how summer's gonna be. Like, and you listen to him, and you think he's crazy, and then that shit happens, and you're like, well, that motherfucker knew what he was talking about, and he's got his shit ready to go. Yeah. Um, some of your favorite spots here in Nashville to hang out at. I love Live Oak. Um, uh, I mean, Food. I love being around my team, man. I love, you know, being we. So we Lex lives in Waylon Jennings' old house. Yeah. So like that spot's like you can't get much better than Waylon Jennings' pad to just chill out at. So that spot's definitely the top spot. Um, but like hangouts or even food. Like food, I love. Damn, God, what's the name of that barbecue spot? Uh, Martin's, Jack's, Edley's. I can't think of the damn spot. Uh, the name of the spot. You know where it's at? <sighs> Not really. I know it's in Midtown. I think. I think it's in Midtown barbecue spot. It's got to be Martin's, Jack's, or Edley's. If I'm trying to think, but yeah, because there's. There's some good um, stillery's pretty good food too. Um, I love the uh, Hermitage Cafe too, man. Like when they when they were open. Yeah, R.I.P. I had some good times there. Just being terribly drunk and like rolling into Hermitage. Cash only, baby. And having that old bald headed guy talk shit to you—that was like yeah. the oh, best. Oh yeah, they chirped you when you were in there. Oh yeah, and they did it, and it was like a, just a—they didn't do it to be a dick. If they didn't do it to you, they didn't like. They only fucked with the people. If you go in there multiple times is when they start fucking with you. Like, yeah. 
But yeah, that place was rest in peace, man. That was that was my favorite like breakfast joint, hangover spot, like all together. Like yeah. me and Trippy were for nine times out of ten, we're not eating when we're up here. We're up here working, and then like we get drunk, and we're like we're going to Hermitage and getting some gravy biscuits and knocking the fuck out. <laughs> there you go, awesome man. Well, where can people go to? Uh... Go to find you on stuff. Another question I do ask real quick before we get into that is something that I'd I'd say, what would you tell your younger self? But I feel like you're so fucking young, right? Like you're doing this thing. So that's that's a question we'll do. I mean, it, what would you tell your 14-year-old self when you started the songwriting thing? Well, man, I feel like my life's changed so much so fast, too, that like if I'd known two years ago what I know now, I'd be ahead. But like the main thing I tell my younger self, I'd tell that 14 14- 14 year old kid not to take no shit off anybody and to believe in himself because man like that dream that he had is very real and like god put something in him and i'd make sure that he that he'd know that because i i never really got a whole lot of people to tell me that until i started being successful you know what i mean so that's what that's the main thing i'd tell him and work your ass off yeah, and you're definitely doing that, man. I'm excited to. It's cool to see where you're at right now, where you've where you've come and and coming from coming from small that small little map dot to to where you're at now. And I'm excited to see what the future holds. Now, where can people go to find you on all the socials? I know you're not the social media guy, but where can oh, people dude. go to find you? We're pretty big on TikTok. I think we're almost at a hundred thousand. That one's Mason Horn Music, um, Mason Horn Official for Instagram, and then just look Mason Horn up on Facebook. Uh, you YouTube. got a, you got a website? Yeah, I've got uh, I've got a uh, just Google Mason Horn merch and it should merch is up. on there and then your tour dates will be on there mm-hmm. as well as you get out there and and the record do we know when it's coming out? Um, I know it's still early. It'll been it'll be the end of April. End of April. We're okay, so the end of April. So right around when this this episode comes out, we wanna we wanna push for four twenty. I'll say that. Okay. That's what we're. What, that's what, what I'm, I'll, I'm not supposed to say that, but what, I will say it. One of my one of my favorite days. Yeah, man. <laughs> we're pushing for 420. Hell yeah, man. Well, dude, you guys make sure you check out our boy Mason Horn right here. The the boy wonder in a way, and he's growing up fast and, and kicking ass here in Nashville, Tennessee. And uh, you guys make sure to check out uh, Plowboy Diaries. Uh, it it's coming out here soon. Uh, really appreciate you guys for listening. Uh, make sure you like, rate, subscribe. If you watched on YouTube, thank you. Shout out to the sweet boy back there repping that in the round t-shirt um like mason said you can get his merch google mason horn you can also get our merch just hit us up on instagram or come on out to around at live oak shout out to the sponsors whale tail media saxman studios and our boy mitch wallace at the digital marketing agency thanks again for watching i'm matt brill this is mason horn y'all have been watching or listening to the in the round podcast